are listening to Barbara May Show, the place where we discuss all that really matters. We will cover all you need to know about lifestyle, health, spirituality, and plus so much more. Are you ready? Let's dive in. You are listening to episode 13 with Emily Schumann. Emily is an artist, intuitive practitioner, podcast host, teacher, and a life coach for those who desire purpose, impact, connection, and joy. In this episode, we will cover three topics. We will talk about the rise of very well-marketed fraud, spirit art, and aura portrait. We will also tap into the conversation about left and right side of the brain. Let's dive in. Hi, Emily. Welcome to my podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. My first question for you is, what are you grateful for? Oh my gosh. First, let me say I'm grateful for being on this podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And to all of your listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. It's really cool to be here. Um, I am grateful for... I like as cliche as this is like literally everything right now because I'm on vacation. (laughs) So (laughs) I will say, um, I am grateful for, uh, the opportunity to have a pause in my life as well. Amazing. Thank you very much. So I'm going to dive in straight in and I want to know, don't laugh. I want to know your thoughts on, um, current spiritual leaders and people, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you and I had this conversation before and I absolutely love this topic. And you, you agreed to talk about this because I want to see your view. And I want you to point out the things you and I were talking about last time. We're not going to mention any names. I might mention some names, but you don't have to. The reason why I want to bring this topic up is because I think it's very important to talk about it because there are so many people who are new to spirituality mm-hmm. and they're new to the holistic um, worlds mm. and way of living and they reach out to wrong people <laughs> yeah I think that that there's this curious thing that happens in the digital age which is that a lot of people have learned how to do sales and marketing and not how to do teaching um, and how to I uh, like essentially they create the the type of um trust and understanding that you would get from like, you know, one-on-ones with students in real life and that sort of thing. Uh, again, without having any of the like sort of ethics training or experience. So I'll, I'll kind of tell a little bit about my background, but I spent 12 years in academia. I taught, um, art history as well as like art. So drawing and sculpture and, uh, and a little bit of contemporary theories as well. And so it was really interesting coming from that type of community. I promise I'll bring this back around. Um, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Where everything is really regulated. So you're not allowed to teach something unless you've really gone through and like learned it. And many people have agreed that you are expert at it. Also, uh, like there are lots of like ethical things that you have to think about when, it, especially in the university circumstances where somebody has to take your class in order to graduate. And so if the university is telling people they have to do this, then you have to like also be responsible to all those people. And so it's, it's been really interesting moving from that environment into the, into the spiritual community, which I did because I had an injury. I essentially had an awakening and I was like, more people need to know this. And then as I've stepped into this, I've noticed that there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who are either uh, just unaware of of how to teach (laughs) or how to hold space for large groups of people. And it's been an interesting mix because what happens with spirituality is we're talking about something ineffable. 
something that evades words, something that can only be felt. So, you know, like something that we can't quite like touch or really like hold, I should say. We can touch it, we can't hold it. Um, and they go out <laughs> into the world and start talking about those things as if they can be held. And then they'll oftentimes they'll use like this. I was just talking to my guides and my guides told me that you need a session with me or that you have this problem and you need to book it. And, da, 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 da. and so they'll use like a supernal authority to, to tell people, to take people's power, essentially. That's what that is. They're saying like, I, I heard this from spirit. And so you need to do this, this, and this, instead of telling people, this is how you get information from spirit. This is how you trust your voice in the spirituality. And then you add money to the mix and it's like a hot mess kind of like a dumpster fire. I mean, <laughs> I feel like we could tease out topics around like what it's ethical to, to teach someone or to talk about, like in terms of like power and hierarchy. I think that we could also take this um, to, uh, to a conversation about um, how, how like money affects that. We could also take this to a conversation about like uh, building trust with students and, and communities and how to treat people within a community. I just like to add to, to what you said before that um, um, everyone out there is looking for some kind of idol, right? Because we yeah. had that since we were little. So we were looking up to our parents, if it was a mothers or fathers, best friends and all that kind of stuff. And we wanted to um, kind of follow the path what they had because it has been presented to us in a certain way which was attractive for yeah. us so um, when we're talking about those I'm not I don't want to I don't want to give them credit of spiritual leaders right I just want to give them they're not even public figures what is public figure what is it yeah so they have so they have this status or they they um, write a book about um, how to plant um, strawberries in the garden and and they are the best-selling authors suddenly mm -hmm. and they just everyone's the best-selling author and I'm just thinking if you are a best-selling author why is what is everybody else best-selling author so who is the best-selling author so you're yeah. with me on this yeah I think it's 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 very it's very important to talk about because because those people are taking money mm -hmm. from those beautiful innocent <laughs> souls. So it's like, for example, we can talk about Tony freaking Robbins, you know, like um, he gets you to buy a trampoline. So mm -hmm. um, what happens to you when you do regular exercise? Just tell me, Emily, what, what does happen to you when you regular exercise? Well, you get a release of endorphins. Yeah, exactly. So, so <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a common sense. But, uh, but Tony, uh, Tony charges you $100,000, tell you that you need to buy a trampoline. <laughs> well, I do it for free if you want to buy a trampoline yeah. and it will make you happy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so so <laughs> I'm loving this because I'm so happy because yeah. we are on the same page. And, um, and the reason why I want to talk about it is because you um, bring up a conversation of somebody who have followed, and we're not going to mention the name, and the person um, came to their power. We're talking mm -hmm. about financial power. And he has copy and paste information from a Wikipedia. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is also, I think this is tied to this. So I, this is what I like to do as an instructor is I like to give people like multiple viewpoints and let them pick the one that they're going to take. Because on the, I, I started this with in academia, <laughs> you have a group of people who have to decide whether or not you're qualified to teach a thing. And then there's like very high ethical standards in terms of like how you teach it, what you teach it, who, who you teach it to, and how to guarantee the student's success. And so you're not allowed to walk into your classroom and take somebody else's research and teach it to your students without saying this research came from that person. 
And I, I will say that while that almost guarantees a high quality or a high level of like what's delivered and how it's delivered, it also is very limiting and has been um, used in the past to keep people of color out of the academic environments, to keep people of lower income out of learning environments. And so that has been like a bad part of that. And, and what is good about the spiritual community now is that people can step up and say like, you know, this topic, like let's say auras, auras haven't been taught in academia. I'm going to teach a class on auras and I can like self-publish that, which is great. That's great that that exists, <laughs> but uh, like, so there's good and bads to like both that kind of like approach, like the approach of like uh, needing validation before you start teaching something versus like just being like the only validation I need is a following and people willing to give me money. So there's like two, two kind of like sides to that. And I think there's like good and bads to both of them. So I'm going to point that out, but I will say this, <laughs> I, I get, um, I get frustrated with, um, what passes for quote unquote research in the spiritual community. And I also get really frustrated when people do things that are, um, illegal, like plagiarizing. And I have seen like multiple people in their PowerPoints, in their lectures, in the things that they give to their quote unquote students, people in their community that people are paying them for co directly copied and pasted from Wikipedia. <laughs> And it's fine if you do that, like for anyone listening, panicking, like I, I, that's where I get my information. Get your information there. Change the words. Say it how you would say it. And then say, I, I learned this from Wikipedia so that your students who come in thinking they're getting information that's been well-researched. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I think it's also putting thought into it and putting the energy into it. So um, with, with some people, it's I think the particular person we were talking about before, um, that person um, was very good. Mm -hmm. I, I felt really attracted to the everything what the person was saying but yeah. suddenly the person started to um make money and started to uh, make contact and that was more money and more money and then um the whole campaign what was behind the person the profile got very well marketed and I did say that before this is a very well marketed fraud and mm -hmm. And I just wanted to raise that before we will talk about the rest because I think it's very important. No, because I think it's very important. Well, let's kind of like turn this around and give the listeners a little bit of power here. And that is that like, there are questions that you can ask before you invest in a program with someone so that you can make sure that what you're getting is like good information if that's what you're looking for. I mean, if you're just looking for somebody to dazzle you for 20 minutes, like, you know, fine, like pick the person that's the most dazzling. But like you can look at someone's background and see whether or not they have like certifications in the course. You could ask them how they learned the thing. A couple things that I use, I use because also certifications are um, elitist in a way. They require money, they require time, et cetera, et cetera. So on the other end of that, I'll look for somebody who has a lot of experience, more experience than me like years of experience, which you can get without money, right? I'll look for certifications and I will listen to them talk about things. And if I'm hearing them talk about a particular topic, oftentimes if it sounds like, like Wikipedia, I'll just go and type in what they're saying <laughs> into Google and see if somebody, if they've taken somebody else's idea, right? Like, so I would say research the topic before you buy a class in it. Uh, and that'll help you have like a little bit of information. And then this is my favorite thing to do. 
sometimes I think people end up getting pressured. Like uh, influencers will do this terrible thing. Abundance people do this, I think. And I, I also want to state that I highly believe that you should get paid for your time, your skill, your talent, and what you bring to a classroom. So Barbara and I are not saying that you shouldn't accept money for your spiritual gifts. We're absolutely not saying that. Um, but what we are saying is that you should look at money and how that creates a power dynamic. And you should, again, on the buying end, I would question anyone who would tell me like, oh, you need to go into debt for this program so that you can teach the world that you're ready for your abundance. Like, ooh, mm. like <laughs> I don't like what that, that does for people versus saying something like, if you wanted to buy in at this level, this is what you'll get. And with the understanding that when you're shopping, let's say an abundance program or you're shopping a spirituality program and you're like, I can, I can, I am very comfortable putting this amount of money in there. And let's say somebody sold you on it, like one of the big names, like Barbara's talking about. And you're like, ooh, I really want to work with this, per this person, but their program's like $15,000. I've, <laughs> I've seen stuff like that out there. Um, and again, nothing wrong with that. If you, if you, But also, I hope you're delivering that amount of information and that quality of an experience to those people. But you can go to, this is my favorite thing to do. I'll go to Instagram and I'll type in one of the hashtags and I'll find other practitioners and I'll start that research again. Who is this person? What experience level do they have? What education level do they have? How are they presenting? And that's how I determine whether or not I want to work with a person. And anyone can do that. So you don't have to be stuck um, feeling like the the bigger people um, who are going to put in put you in a high pressure sales circumstance are the only people. They're not. There's so many options out there for for everyone. So who is Emily Schumann? <laughs> Come on then, I, tell us. I know. <laughs> I describe myself as an artist and an intuitive practitioner. Um, I currently live in Boston, Massachusetts, but I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky and have lived a lot of places like München, uh, Munich, um, Chicago, Texas. So <laughs> just kind of kind of from everywhere. But um, yeah, I, I just started a business called Getting Into It. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which came out of this, as I told you, little spiritual awakening. Well, it was kind of a big spiritual awakening. I was, um, I was going like full force, uh, in academia and in my dance, my dancing, I do swing dancing as well. Um, I call myself a multifaceted creatrix because I, I feel like also we have a tendency to tell people they have to limit themselves or they have to focus. And I don't think that we do. I think we can express the way that we want to express, and uh, I, I roll with it. My income has come sometimes from one thing and less from another, but it's like kind of like a scale like of, of things that work together to support me and to support my life and for me to flow my creativity into. Um, but yeah, I broke my back in the middle of all of that striving and um, really went through a, a moment where I was like, I, there, there has to be more to life than this, than just uh, like getting this tenure track job and uh, like, pushing myself so hard to be in all of these shows and to serve all of these students and to do all of this dancing. And my body just was like, go down, bitch. <laughs> and, and I wasn't listening. So it was like, okay, clearly you don't understand pain. So we're just going to go for a full shutdown. <laughs> and the fear of going into that surgery, they tell you things, horrible things. Like the pain was debilitating but they tell you things like you can have this surgery or you can do this treatment and the chances of you having a recovery are very, very low. And there's a chance that you could die. And that's when I started seeing a, a spiritual practitioner, a meditation person. 
And um, yeah, and from there, it was just like, oh my God, I have this connection that I've always had because I've always sort of heard things and seen things differently than people. And even in my classroom where I wasn't doing this, I would be able to like walk up to a student and know which one needed special attention that day. You know, like I just kind of sense it and know what to say to them and stuff. And so uh, recognizing that and owning that uh, has been sort of like a, a, I've been on this path, the meditation spirituality path for about six years now. Uh, and in just now doing it professionally. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. And I want, I, I would like you to talk about more about your art and what do you do? Because you have some fascinating work. Yeah. Okay. So I have, I have two sort of ways that I think about the art. I have the art that I do that would be like gallery art. Right. <laughs> and that very much fulfills me intellectually, lets me pull like ideas out of my head and into the world. And it makes me very excited, but I also have what I call spirit art. And I will, um, for, for a client, I will tune in. I have a couple different offerings in terms of that, but, um, of two main ones, I have a soul portrait and an aura portrait and I'll tune in and I'll ask their guides for information, things that want to come through for the soul portrait. And then I take the things that they show me, the things that they tell me, and I make them into a drawing, uh, a watercolor painting. And then I, I use Prismacolor to draw over the top of it. So it's, it's a time where you get a reading about your life purpose, uh, who your guides are. Um, sometimes loved ones will come through during those sessions as well. And uh, you get to see what I see which is the cool part about it. And then the other thing that I noticed, which is really interesting, and, and a lot of people do this, anyone who reads tarot does this or who does the, the regular kind of, of spirit art where you like let the image develop, you know, in the paint, is that images dip directly into our subconscious. Our body reacts to them on a very physical level. And image is a way that we can tap into our inner knowing without sort of like, I think a lot of people get stuck in like meditation or intuition as being this thing where you have to like shut down your eyes, you have to go within, you have to be quiet and silent. And image will do help you do that without you having to like tune everything out. It's like a direct link in. And so having that image then during the reading uh, helps me bring through more messages and also the client gets their own messages from it too. And it's so cool. We do sort of like a dialogue and we do a meditation with the piece as well together and they bring through some of their own messages. So they also get to see what their own wisdom is uh, like within the context of that. So that's the soul portrait. And then I also do an aura portrait. <laughs> so with the person's permission, I go and visit them uh, in the astral plane I have a look at their energy and the energy around them. And this one is more of what I, I would be traditionally described as spirit art. So I take the colors that I see, I take the information that I see and I paint it with watercolor and I'll put a bunch of water in the painting. And then I like sit it out overnight and as it dries, it forms itself. It's almost like developing a picture and crazy things develop in it. I, I have some examples that I've showed you, but there have been times where I didn't get this information when I went into the, you know, when I went on the little journey to see them, I, I you know, I didn't know these things were going to come through. And then I like wake up the next day and the, the painting is dried. And in this one painting that I did for a client was a, the face of an old woman right next to the face of a baby. And, um, and I knew immediately when I looked at it, that it was a grandmother and that she was pregnant. 
And she hadn't told anyone she was pregnant. She was like, I'm just three weeks. <laughs> I was like, well, this is what the baby wants you to know. And this is what grandma wants you to know. And it just, um, it's so interesting how that like happens. So I, I think of, I think of the art that goes to the gallery is coming from me to the world. And I think of the, um, the intuitive art as coming from spirit and me into the world <laughs> for the client. So it's like more of a collaborative thing. Um, and has been really uh, fun to develop uh, as, a, as a way of working with people. I absolutely love it. What do you call this technique if somebody wants to know? Like, what do you call this? Okay, so I, there are people who do what is called spirit art, and a lot, and, and it's done a, a couple different ways. Um, I know people who will take acrylic paint and they'll put it in two pieces of like, so they'll like put it in a cup and then they'll dump it out and then they'll like squish it. And, and then they open it up and the painting that is there is what, you know, came through. And it, the, the thing that all of the types have in common is that you take paint um, or art medium and you uh, surrender to the process. So you put it down and you let it process itself and then you interpret it. Um, so other spirit art people will do is they'll take wax um, and caustics and they'll put them on a, a heating board and then they'll just like dip the paper into the thing and then again interpret the image that comes out of it and then there's people who do kind of like what I do which is the watercolor um the thing that I think makes mine different than that is like I know somebody who who does a lot of this intuitive art and she'll like close her eyes and she'll ask what colors want to come through for that person and that's how she you know decides what she's going to paint with um I'm doing a journey with it so it's a little more time consuming because I I I essentially, I mean, if any of you all are familiar with astral projecting, I like go visit the person <laughs> like in, in the astral realm. And so it is a little more, I think like time consuming. And then I'm, I'm trying to paint what I saw there, but I'm also allowing the water to do its own thing within the context of the colors and the layout that I saw. So it's a little bit different that way. Um, I saw one of your yeah. pictures and that was um, the one with the brain injury. Um, yes. And that was crazy because I looked at a picture and, and I could read it. The brain injury one, I'm so glad that you brought that up. This is wild. Uh, that reading was actually for my niece. And I had no idea she had a brain injury, A. And the very first thing that came through was your brain isn't getting your messages from your right hip. And the issue is on the hip in the spine near that side. And so I was like, uh, okay, this is weird. I'll just write this down. Cause like when messages come through, I don't fight them anymore. A lot of my life I spent being like, <laughs> this isn't real. I'm crazy. <laughs> I just need to focus on this, you know, teaching thing that I'm doing. And so instead of doing that now, I write them down and I tell people, about it. <laughs> I, I do that for a living now, but, um, it was so curious I didn't know any of those things about her. I didn't know she was going through that. And just the week before she got a diagnosis that the messages, the neurological messages from the right side of her body, from the hip down, were not making it to her brain. And now she had information after that reading to take back to the doctor and say, it's related to this spot that's happening in the brain. And it's related to this spot in the spine. Can you look deeper here? And so it isn't, I feel like this is another gray area for intuitive practitioners is ethics. Like I am not a doctor, so I'm absolutely not going to give you a diagnosis, but I will give you information you could take to a doctor in, in like direction where you could be like, I, I need to do more exploration here. 
it's so interesting how it comes through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause no. Yeah. When I started that painting, it didn't look like a brain. I hadn't intended to make a brain, but I woke up in the morning and there was the brain. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also the same rule, what you said about the, um, about yourself that applies for tarot readers and, mm-hmm. and any kind of fortune teller readers, they do, you do get a message or you kind of get a vision and, and then it's up to the person what they're going to do with it. Okay, yeah. so I want to talk about the left side of the brain and right side of the brain. And the reason, yay, and the reason why I want to talk about it because I know they were very passionate about the topic. And also, you are an artist. Yes. So, go. <laughs> I love your questions. <laughs> They're like prompts, like, talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I actually, this is an area that I have spent a lot of time thinking about because I taught drawing for so long. And it's it's really interesting. So for those of you who don't know, we have two hemispheres in our brain. We have a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. And people, people, scientists, researchers have done scans of the brain and they have done scans of the brain while asking people questions, while having them do certain activities. And they found that primarily in in both sides of the brains are the brains, both both hemispheres are used in, in things like if you're making a painting, it's not like only your right side is functioning. Your left side is functioning too. And if you're, if you're using language, it's not like only your left side is functioning, your right side is functioning too, but it's like predominantly, uh, certain functions occur more on certain sides of the brain than others. So when we're doing things like analytics, uh, mathematics, when we're using language, um, when we're doing organizational thinking and when we're doing like process thinking, like step one, two, three, four, five, uh, that is occurring on the left side of the brain. On the right side of the brain, we have images <laughs> and whole, like thinking, holistic thinking, systemic thinking, not necessarily the process way, the analytical way that the left brain has, but like, I, I kind of think of, of an eagle, like bird's eye view kind of thinking. And we have a lot of uh, like emotional uh, things occurring on the right side of the brain, more so than the left side of the brain. And it is really interesting to me when you start thinking about art and intuition, uh, because oftentimes image um, is a powerful way, again, that we can tap into the subconscious in a way that like when we're in analytical, and I think anyone can relate to this, have you ever started a creative project? And then there's something in the back of your head, well, on the left side of your head being like, you can't do that. It's not going to look like what you want it to. And what am I going to do with this anyway? And it's not going to turn out like, (laughs) yes, it's, it's really hard to be in the creative flow while also being in the analyst analysis side in the analytics of it. It's like, it it takes skill and mastery to get both sides of the brain to work together to do something. Uh, but a lot of times when we're doing, again, I mentioned this, the cards and, and with the art, um, the way that I process it is I use the image to tap into the right side of the brain uh, and to tap into my body's knowing, my intuitive knowing, and then to tap into like the subconscious. And then I have to process that through language to give it to a client, right? And so it's a really interesting way of like sort of tapping into that. And I think what's happened or or what we do uh, as a spiritual community is we unfortunately gender these two sides of our brain. I don't know if I'm allowed to like come down this hard on people right now, but I, I, I I know, come on, Emily. I love the idea of the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine. I love them. I love that, that the sacred, the idea of the sacred feminine has made me feel better about being a female in a female body. But actually what we've done is we've assigned feminine and masculine to parts of our brain. Like I get it. Like 
I'm going to just get biological here. I get that men give the seed and women receive it and make the baby. Like I get it biologically, but that doesn't have anything to do with the right side of the brain or the left side of the brain. So what we've done is we've taken gender and we've made gender like stereotypes like uh, men being good at math and analysis and women being quote unquote emotional. These are things, those are two statements that I hate because we are both. And if we're actively telling men that they can't be emotional, we're doing men a disservice. And if we're actively telling women that they're bad at math, we're doing women a disservice. Good news, every human being has a left side and a right side of their brain. They're equally developed. One's not bigger in men and bigger in women. Like I prefer to think of sacred feminine and sacred masculine in terms of the brain. And I think you asked about like making art as things that need to work well together and that we need to actively develop in all of us and in respect and love. But I like want to make a huge argument for like giving up gender as part of that. Like when you're tapping into the right side of your brain and you're engaging your creativity and you're making image or you're working with image or you're thinking about something holistically and you're in a flow state, you're not in your sacred feminine, you're tapping into the power of your right brain. I mean, you, you can think of it that way. I don't wanna take that away from anyone too. Like, yes, be feminine and powerful, woo. But like, <laughs> maybe you're just in the sacred binary of free flow, as opposed to on the other side of free flow is like numbered, lettered processes that you've already established, like rule, rule following, right? So there's like, woo, I'm just flowing with it. And no, I'm like, doing a certain type of strategy. And sometimes it's good to free flow within strategy because oftentimes that's how we get creativity. So there are powerful ways to engage yourself and your creativity. And isn't that like you need to cut one off or like, I think also socially, we tend to um, hmm, suppress <laughs> things that we associate with the feminine uh, like emotions and intuition and things like that. And so like calling it that, calling the functions of the right side of the brain that as a way to reclaim that, fine. But also like if if we just call it the binary, like a sacred binary or a, a giving or a flowing versus a, you know, knowing, um, we get to a place where our like trans friends or our uh, like non-binary friends can talk about it too and be in, in, a, in a healthier relationship with it as well. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, so if we combine the right side with the left side, a magic happens. Yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> go. <laughs> okay, there, there are a lot of different like studies about this, um, but I call it coherence. When those two things are working together the way that they are meant to, it's not like, you know, I don't believe in creationism, but I also don't believe we're an accident. Like you don't have a, a left uh, brain and a right brain so that one could be more important than the other. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's very, is this yeah. a very valid point. It's very important to mention. There has to be a balance. It's like um, everything has to be in a harmony mm -hmm. in order to work. Otherwise it's yep. not going to work. But they like work together really beautifully. And I think if, if we could like tie this back to kind of like what we started talking about earlier on, uh, there are people out there uh, in the world who are so strategic about their spirituality that it's like 
strange and bizarre to me. Like it's kind of the things that we're complaining about. Like, why are people paying you a thousand dollars to tell them to jump on a trampoline? How many people actually send me, um, I think it was before new year's that sent me the challenge. He was running some challenge. Um, um, I don't know what it was and send me an invitation and I really felt offended. I'm just thinking, well, why would you, why would you even think if you're my friend and if you know me, mm-hmm. why would you think that I need to receive a message with his <laughs> challenge offerings? Honestly, why yeah. would you even think that? I don't like when people say that they want to help you and they do mm-hmm. everything. They give you cuddle, they make you cry and they use your sensitivity in order yes. to make money. And who's got the $100,000 for the private one? Okay, well, you don't have to do that one. You can do group one with the 100 people. And that's going to cost you $10,000. $10, I don't know, what currency? I suppose because he's America, that's why he would charge $10,000. Yeah. And I just think it's it's disgusting. It is disgusting because you have people who've been going through divorces, um, child loss, um, uh, they lost their partner to cancer, lost their family, and they are on the bottom of the bottom and they need the support and they don't need to be rinsed Mm -hmm. financially. So that's why I get so upset about this. Yes. Uh, I am in like total agreement with you there. I love this example that you used also because it's, I think you've nailed, you've nailed it on the head. That is predatory behavior. So like on the one side, he has this beautiful transformational message that supports and holds people. It's why people keep going back to him. Completely agree. But on the other side, he is leveraged social media strategy and fame And again, empowering listeners who are listening to this and they're like, but I love him. Like, love who you love. It's fine. But also know that there's this like beautiful thing called the internet where you can find people that will do all of those things for you and maybe even more. Do you know what makes me even more upset about this because obviously you and I work in industry so you and I understand the industry and we know many of those people using the psychology as well Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to read our body language it's nasty and I think and I think it's stealing and I think it's ugly and and I don't like it (laughs) I know this is the beautiful thing that like the fact that you don't like it because also like I also look at practitioners and what they do with the money that they have so again I don't have any problem with somebody um making money or really making really good money running a spiritual business that's fine but also like be a responsible caring kind person in in this environment and like be ethical to the people like you said if somebody came to me like that and was like I really want a session with you uh but like I can't afford this I would tell I would be like here's another person you could see that you could afford it was actually really interesting when I um told my husband so my husband's been on this ride with me (laughs) This this whole time because he was he was with me during the like running marathons, dance things, tenure track kind of thing. And and then at, you know, like through the back surgery and the like dark night of the soul into into this. And this year when um when I made the decision not to teach anymore, um we had a move uh from Kentucky to Boston and was going on and actually it was a good decision because I would hate to be teaching uh, art over Zoom (laughs) during COVID. That sounds like not fun to me, but I said, I'm going to become a spiritual practitioner. And he and I both sat down and aired our concerns about that because I also didn't want to be associated with the people who just body read, like you were talking about. 
And also there, there's the fear. And then like, because, because I had those fears, I needed to recognize to myself that that immediately made me ethical because <laughs> I would never say to somebody, you know, I, I, or I, I should say it this way. I feel comfortable saying to someone, if somebody came to me and was like, I want you to do a mediumship reading for me. Uh, and I want to talk to my dad or something. If I couldn't connect to the dad, like, <laughs> or if I start connecting and it doesn't, it's not working, it's not jiving. I would just be like, listen, I can't get this connection. You need to see this other reader. That would be how I would handle that. Or there have been times where I've canceled with people because like the day before I had a headache and I felt like I couldn't do a good journey for them. And so I've been like, we need to reschedule this for next week. So I have more time to like, go get this information and, and give it to you from this authentic place. I understand, I understand your questions and here's how you can get to know me uh, and my work so that you feel comfortable working with me uh, or investing in me. And so that's been an interesting ride. It's, I would just say it's like a ride for anyone who does it. And I, I'm going to add one more note to this. Uh, when I was developing these art readings, I didn't know if they were going to work or not, right? Like I'm going to experiment with this and see what happens. So I offered the first like four or five of them for free. And I had a couple like just out of the park sessions with people. And here I am, I've, I've taken an hour to go on a journey. I have spent multiple hours painting this painting. <laughs> and then I, I scheduled a one-on-one -on -one with you, at, you know, in my time to give you this reading. And then at the end, I would be like, if you want to tip me, here's my PayPal. Also, I will send the reading to you. I paid this much for the paper, this much for the art. This is the minimum that I need to send it to you. And some people were just galled that I even asked. Like, do you want the painting that's for you? Like after we had this amazing reading and they're telling me like all the ways that it's right and it's the message that they needed to hear and stuff. And so it was really interesting. I, again, I didn't phase it like, if you valued this, you have to pay me. But I, I, they would be like, can you send this to me? And I'd be like, yes, but I need this much money. They'd be like, I can't believe you need that much money. And I'm like, it was such a lesson for me, Barbara, because then I would see them on social media bragging about how they got a new car or a, like a shoes that they bought themselves, which were way more than than what I was even saying. And I was like, I, people can't value me unless I value me. So I have to put a money amount on this. And, and that was interesting too. <laughs> Lovely message. No, absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree with you. Thank you very much. Um, can you talk about your podcast, please? Because you are also yeah. a podcast host. Yes. Uh, I run a podcast called Sacred Adventure Begin, where I share stories from people who are not just spiritual practitioners. Like I interviewed a good friend who's a lawyer um, <laughs> and, and like other voices. The last episode I have is actually um, with my husband, who's an atheist. And we're talking about the dynamic of, of being uh, someone who like talks to dead people married to an atheist. <laughs> so... <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the podcast is to support people um, on their spiritual journey by sharing stories. And so uh, coming up next, are, are, we're, I'm going on a little bit of a, a religious trauma tangent. Um, so there are a couple of practitioners that I'm having on talking about the um, things they received from their childhood uh, through religion, essentially through organized religion, and um, how they're approaching their spirituality now that is like more open and beautiful. And I think it's, um, again just so healing to share stories. And I love that podcast so much because <laughs> you probably do this too. You end up listening to your um, episodes over and over in the editing process anyway, but <laughs> um, I, I missed so much uh, being in, in the college classroom, walking around and meeting people and helping them move along their journey and the like 
inspiration that comes to me through hearing other people's inspiration. And so I, now I get to do that just with a whole new cast of people. <laughs> I know that's what I love about podcasts. I love that you can share, you can, you create a platform for people and, and you let them shine and then, then you are part of their shine. Yeah, <laughs> you're <part laughs> totally. Of, you're part of their life. You're part of their shining. No, absolutely. Have you got any new programs coming up? I do actually, um, I have a program called mystical, spiritual, magical, which work, uh, walks people through different theories on spirituality, um, different religious approaches, but also different, what I would call like near neo spiritual approaches. Like, so how to navigate the modern community and how to find your own voice, your own spirituality in that. And that is a like long thing. It's like a six month mentorship with me. Um, and then I'm, I'm launching, I'm so excited about this. (laughs) I'm launching a course to help people who want to start teaching courses, be they art courses or spirituality courses or uh, like any kind of holistic course, uh, herbalism course, (laughs) yoga course, (laughs) Um, help them be ethical teachers. So I'm taking some of the lessons from academia um, and helping people apply that to their classroom and uh, to build a classroom and to, to show like support for everyone in the room as well. And I'm like so pumped about that. It's unreal. Um, I'm launching that in the next two months. My last question for you is where can listeners find you and get in contact with you? I love that so much. So I'm on Insta at getting into it, spelled country style, G-E-T-T-I-N-I-N-T-U-I-T. And my website is the same.com. So getting into it.com. And I'm also on Facebook, (laughs) getting into it and sacred adventure begin with Emily. Uh, And I would love for for them to come find me um, and hang out. Thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and that you have gained a lot of information. As I have just launched this podcast, I have decided to give two lucky listeners a free psychic reading each month for the period of next three months. These readings will be a combination of a tower and a psychic channeling. To enter, all you need to do is leave a review in the iTunes store, take a screenshot of it, send it to me on barbaramayshow at gmail.com, which is B-A-R-B-R-A-M-A-Y-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. As you may already know, um, reviews are very important for podcasts and they will help podcasts to expand and direct the important topics discussed to the appropriate audience. At the end of every month, I will announce the winner on my Instagram, which is at the Barbara May Show. So keep your eyes peeled and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode.